Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Thank you, Terry. For those you don't know, for those of you who don't know, that's my wonderful wife. If you're visiting for the first time, you may not know, but if you are visiting for the first time, welcome to Life in the Sun. We're glad that you're here. And um, I want to make a, a special introduction for uh, one family. You may have noticed there's some construction or some repairs going on on the roof on the back side of the building. And the person, the man in charge of that is Peng, and he's here with his wife Arlene and their son Jethro sitting over here. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> Peng's been living on Guam for some time, but his wife Arlene and Jethro just arrived on Guam about a month ago. And we're glad that you're here. So how many of you had a good Thanksgiving weekend? Good? How many of you need to start exercising? <laughs> well, that laugh says a lot of you are honest. <laughs> this week, family and friends had conversations around tables and shared why they were thankful. And most people mentioned, you know, the good things in life. But have you ever noticed how the more touching stories are people who are thankful in the midst of difficulty? In recent years, Thanksgiving has become important to me. And I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm talking about being thankful in my heart. And being thankful has um, become important to me because I'm just going to confess something. I'm just going to tell on myself up front. Uh, for, for a long time in my life, I, I was just a complainer. I would complain about things. I'll just tell on myself. You know, but, rec but recently, I've been convicted about my example. I mean, who wants to be around um, serious people? You know, and it's not a good example to hide behind my serious personality and, and at the same time say, God has made all the difference in my life. Because uh, that's not what you call a powerful witness. But I do think there is a way in which we can be honest and yet put a spiritual spin on things to say, yeah, you know, life can be rough sometimes, but with God, I feel like all of this is building to something good. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk about how that can be real for all of us. Our topic today is faith and thanksgiving. Now, for some of us, this is a little easier. This is a little easier for some of us than for others. Uh, years ago, our leadership team, which is about 30 people, went through a seminar called Strength Finders. How many of you have heard of Strength Finders? Okay, a few, maybe one-third, one-fourth. Well, in Strength Finders, it's, it's a personality test. It's a personality inventory. And we learned, some of, we learned some of the strengths that we have as leaders. And one of the strengths that uh, we learned about is something called positivity. And... Uh, a positive person is uh, a person who has enthusiasm and they're contagious and they're upbeat and they can get others excited about what they're, what they're doing. And I found out that one of, the, one of the telltale signs of a person with positivity is that they like to giggle. And um, just watch, I'm gonna call out a few of them uh, who have positivity and if they don't hold it in, they're gonna giggle. Uh, one of them is my wife. See, she's giggling. <laughs> um, 
Another example is Armin. There he is. Armin could be up here speaking on a Sunday morning, and he, he might momentarily forget what he's going to say next, and he'll giggle. If it was me, I would get nervous, but Armin laughs. Positive, positive people tend to be more thankful. They see the glass half full. For the rest of us, we need more of God and his word to renew our minds. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for all the declarations this morning of your goodness. Lord, we just rise up in our heart and say, yes, God, you are good. And we are learning to be more and more thankful as we encounter you. And Lord, I ask that you would use your word this morning to develop hearts of thankfulness in each one of us, in our families, in our small groups. Lord, help us to um, be a witness of your goodness in a way that is real. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have something for you. Thank you, God, for trusting me to be his dad. Thank you, Lord, that when a door closes, you're still going to take care of me. And thank you for cheetahs and pickles and fairings and mommies and daddy. Thank you, Father, <laughs> for always giving me perspective. I'm so sorry. Thank you, God, that you are the great physician of both my body and my soul. Father, thank you for knowing my family's needs even before I do. And for ladybugs and old people and Disney movies and Miss Walker and donuts. Thank you for reminding me that I'm never alone. Thank you, God, for what I have. And also, I wouldn't mind an upgrade soon. Thank you, Father God, for love, joy, peace, and patience. Lord, especially patience. And thank you for Jesse, even though he's mean during recess. 
Help him find a good friend. That's what he needs. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God, for childlike faith. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all things. Uh, that message uh, touches on so many parts of life. God's prescription applies to every area of life. Our Bible verse for today is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This is one of the clearest places in the Bible when it comes to knowing and doing the will of God. There's only a few places in the Bible where you can read this, where it actually says, literally, this is the will of God. All through history, people have given thanks to God. And one of the more well-known examples are the Christians who traveled from Europe to North America. They were looking for religious freedom. They were looking for a new life in the new world. And when they survived the first harsh winter on the East Coast, they gave thanks to God. Obviously, it's not the first time that people gave thanks after surviving, but this particular celebration of Thanksgiving grew to become a national holiday. President George Washington wrote the following, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Signed, George Washington. President Abraham Lincoln later made this a permanent federal holiday. Faith and thanksgiving, they go hand in hand. And the way to truly be thankful, even in difficult circumstances, even in difficult seasons, is to know that God works things out together for good in the long run, regardless of how things appear in the moment. Romans 8.28 says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Knowing everything is gonna be okay when life is hard happens when you really know God will work things out together for good. Once upon a time, there was an ancient Chinese farmer. And one year, he had a bumper crop, and he was able to buy a horse. And his friends came by one day, and they said, 
Ah, good neighbor, we are so happy for your good fortune. And he said, well, how do you know that it's good fortune? Months later, his horse ran away. And his friends came by again and they said, oh, good neighbor, we are so sad for your misfortune. And he said, well, how do you know that it's misfortune? Months later, his horse came back. Only this time, there were 10 horses following it. They followed, it, they followed his horse right into the corral. And so his friends came back again and they said, oh, good neighbor, we are so happy for your good fortune. <laughs> and he said, well, how do you know that it's good fortune? Because in that year, his oldest son undertook the task of taming all the wild horses. And in the process, a horse threw him and he fell and broke his leg. And his neighbors came and said, oh, good neighbor, we are so sad for your misfortune. And he said, well, how do you know that it's misfortune? Later that year, his country went to war and military officers went to every village recruiting all the young men for battle. But because his son's leg was broken, they, didn't, they let him stay home. And his neighbors came and, well, you know what they said. <laughs> the point is, the story could go on and on and on. And the moral of the story is that individual events have meaning depending on the bigger picture. And so if you want to know the big picture, read to the end of the book. <laughs> and when you read the book of Revelation, then you know all struggles lead to the kingdom of God, to the rule and reign of God. Out of the kingdom of man, God is developing for himself. He's developing a kingdom for himself. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a good ending. So what's the bigger picture? The bigger picture is that God causes all things to work together for good. And if you know this, then you can give thanks even when things are difficult. In order, to, in order for this to happen, we need two things. Number one, we need to experience God's love. And number two, we need to love God by, align, by aligning ourselves with his purpose. I call this our belief and our response. What is it that you believe and how is it that you're responding? It's one thing to experience God's love. It's another thing to receive it and to believe it. You know, I was talking to someone recently about how they see God and how they see themselves. And in the conversation, I mentioned that God respects them. And in a, in a transparent moment, holding back the tears with anguish, I could read it in his heart. He said, how could God respect someone like me? Sometimes we hear about God's love, but there may not be a place for it to land in our hearts. Because what we believe about God, because of what we believe about God, or maybe what we believe about ourselves... And if you've ever felt that way, or if you meet someone who does, uh, it could be a friend, maybe your child, um, here's something that will help. This will sound a little theological for a moment, but it's also very real. It's about the relationship between you and sin. 
When God made mankind, in fact, when God made the whole world, when he was done, he said, it is what? It is good. When God made mankind, he made us spirit, soul, and body. In some circles, that can be a controversial concept, but I'm just going to share a commonly accepted understanding about the identity of mankind according to the Bible. He gave us a spirit which is the innermost part of our being. It's our essence. And layered on top of that, we have the ability to think, we have the ability to feel, and we can also make choices. And then layered outside of that, we have a physical body. We are spirit, soul, and body. Later, after God created the world and he said, it is good, then sin entered creation. And that brought death and destruction. But keep in mind, the original design was good. The original design was good. When you were born again, Paul says God performed a spiritual circumcision. This is in Colossians 2.11. Meaning he removed sin from your spirit. That is, he removed sin from the deepest part of your being. It's, found, it's up here on the screen. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a, a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of the sinful nature. In other words, God restored your spirit, the innermost part of your being, he restored your spirit to his original design, back to being good. Is that hard to believe? It should be. Because if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that we still sin. Do we not? The Apostle Paul explains why. In Romans 7.23, he says this, I see a different law in the members of my body. He's talking about the physical body. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. He's basically saying, sin inhabits the physical members of our bodies. Now, Paul is talking about the physical body, and the Bible says the result of sin is what? Is death. And this is why the body will die, but your spirit, which has been renewed, will go to be with God. The idea that in your essence you are good is very different from traditional church thinking. Oftentimes we hear about sin and we need to confess, and we need to repent, and we need salvation, and this is all true. But too often, we stop on the front side of salvation, the death side, the crucifixion. We don't go on to the resurrection side of our salvation. We sang a lot about that this morning. I'm so glad God had a theme for today. We sang that song, Resurrection Power. That power is the power to renew you on the inside back to his original design. Now remember, we're only talking about your spirit, your essence. I don't want to be misunderstood for some kind of theological error from the front. <laughs> I'm not talking about positive thinking. Okay, we're talking about your spirit, your essence, and we're only talking about what Jesus did for us. We're not talking about our self-interpretation of our identity. Paul said, see no man according to the flesh. That is, see no man according to the sinful nature, but according to Christ. 
That's a radically different view than what the world often demonstrates. And, and we get swept into that. We get defiled by that. We, we can tend to define people by the flaws that we see. But that's not how God defines us. He defines us according to Christ and the nature that he has given us. Amen. You know, especially with the court of social media, we've flipped our justice system upside down. Uh, in our justice system, in our legal system, you are innocent until proven guilty. But in the court of social media, you are guilty until proven innocent. And that's just the way it's going socially. Paul said, see no man according to the flesh, but according to Christ. Belief in God's love will find a place in your heart when the lies are replaced by truth. Being thankful happens when you know God is love and you know God is good. If you think God is unfair, or if you think God doesn't care, or if you think God is uninvolved, then it's hard to be thankful when life is rough. When you're hurting, or when you're afraid, and that's all you're aware of, it's very difficult to be thankful. But if you know that God is good, and if you know that God is involved, then regardless of what's happening in the moment, you know that in the long run, in the big picture, you will be blessed. It's all about what you believe and how you respond. I want to talk a little bit about how we respond. We need to respond by loving God, by aligning ourselves with his purpose. So how can you align yourself with him? Paul said we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we need to read God's word, and as you read it, align yourself to what God is teaching you, whatever it is that he's showing you. If you will adjust to that, then you can align yourself to God's purpose. God's word speaks to so many areas of life, like the video we just saw earlier. He speaks to relationships. He speaks to finances. He speaks to work. The words that we speak, the, the thoughts that we think. And as you work on this, as you align yourself with God's purpose, then you can be thankful that he will work things out together for good. I want to take a moment and talk about what are the challenges that we face. There are many. I, I don't think we even know what all the challenges are, but I just want to mention two of the most significant that I could think of. One of the hindrances, one of the challenges that gets in the way of being thankful is we buy into the lie that God is not enough. I tell you, materialism has done a number on us. How many of you heard in social media some of the stampedes on Black Friday? <laughs> no, we just gotta have it now on this day. It's crazy. So we believe the lie that God is not enough. The second thing that's a challenge, that's a hindrance, that gets in the way of being thankful is I want to do a little exercise with us. I want you to think of something about you 
that if you could, you would change it. Something about yourself that if you could, you would change. Could be the shape of your nose. <laughs> could be the texture of your hair. Maybe the family that you're born into. Or your ethnicity. Maybe your skin color. Do you know what all of these examples have in common? All of these examples are things for which you had no choice. All of these examples are things for which God decided for you who you would be and what your life would be. And to the extent that we are dissatisfied with things about which we have no choice is the extent to which we are in disagreement with God. Can you see how this would interfere with being thankful? If you are aware of any of these kinds of disagreements, and don't feel bad if you are, I mean, there is only one person who fully accepted God's plan for his life, and that was Jesus. Everybody else falls short of being in union with God. So they are there. It's common. I'm not saying it's okay. It's just that it's common. And if you recognize that there are any of these disagreements and possibly even being upset with God, then these are things that we can confess, we can bring them into the light, and we can turn away from them because they will interfere with our ability to be thankful. I'd like us to take some time just to do business with God about the things that have been said already. And so if you would, if you would take a moment just to kind of get alone with God, I want to invite you to close your eyes and to bow your heads. And just take a moment to say, God, um, what do you want to highlight for me? In this whole area of thanksgiving, how I see you, how I see myself, beliefs that I have, ways that I'm responding in life, Lord, what is it that you want to highlight for me? And if I could ask Elmore maybe to play on the keyboard, and you just go ahead and take some time alone with God. Father, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you speak, you reveal, you guide. And Lord, we're turning our hearts and our attention toward you and saying, God, show us what it is that we need. So we're just going to take our time. We have some time.
And if the Lord has highlighted something for you, I'm going to give you a moment to go ahead and do business with God and just respond to him in your heart. keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to address perhaps another group here this morning. If you've recognized that God's been getting your attention recently, and as a result, you've responded, you're seeking. It's like you're searching on the inside. And you're realizing that, yeah, a relationship with God is something that that describes you, I want to give you an opportunity just to express that to God. If you've never made a formal choice, if you've never made a conscious decision to invite God into your life, then I want to give you a chance to do that today. It's real simple. You just have to tell God what you decided. It's what we call prayer. So I'll pray out loud, and you can follow along. Just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if that describes you, then I'd like you to look up. And when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. So if that's something that you want to do, go ahead and look up at this time. Yes, I see you there. Anybody else? Yes, right here. Here? Okay, very good. Anybody else? Oh, yes, I see you there. Yes, if I miss you, raise your hand. I see you there. Very good. Anybody else? Okay, I see you there. And here, okay, and there. Very good. And over on this, there, on this side and in the back. Yes, I see you. Okay, very good. Let's, let's pray. (laughs) 
God, I recognize that you've been getting my attention recently. And I'm here today. And I'm making this decision to open up to you. I'm saying, yes, I want to experience you. And so I invite you to come into my life. I invite your spirit to come into mine. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. And God, I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done that have been hurtful to myself, to others, even my relationship with you. And I thank you for Jesus, what he did on the cross for me. And today I receive your forgiveness. I invite your spirit of forgiveness into my life. And if you're praying this prayer right now, just go ahead and receive it. This is for you. God's been waiting for this moment to begin a relationship with you. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. Just let his spirit of forgiveness come into your heart and wash over you and cleanse you and remove any guilt, any condemnation. Father, I thank you for coming into my life. I thank you for forgiving me. And I ask that you would continue to reveal more of yourself to me and make me the kind of person you designed me to be. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand to all those who prayed that prayer.